You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 20 in your Bibles. We are going through this series on Revelation. We're getting close to the end. And uh, we, we talked about the last two Wednesdays. We were in Revelation 19. Uh, the battle of Armageddon. When Jesus Christ comes back. And the Bible says that we come back with him. And uh, we know the end of the story. We've read the back of the book, right? And we know that we win. And uh, I thank God for the book of Revelation. Revelation 20 in your Bibles. I want you to notice with me. Uh, we'll begin reading in uh, verse number one and we'll read just the first few verses. It says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts and open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I thank you for the book of Revelation and the prophecy uh, that we have been given, the, the unveiling, the revealing of things to come. And I thank you that the word of God is true. I thank you that every prophecy thus far has been fulfilled. And I believe as sure as I'm standing here tonight, I believe that every last prophecy will be fulfilled exactly the way that you said it would be. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight to be encouraged and challenged but I pray also we would be convicted as we see the great needs for people to put their faith and trust in Christ before it is too late. I pray that you'd help us in this time we're together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We've been in Revelation for a while, and I, I understand that. I think I told you when we started that we were not going to be racing through and just trying to uh, hurry up, but I wanted to take time uh, that we could study it. And if you've missed any of the lessons, I hope you will go back online and I hope you'll listen. I hope it'll be a help to you. I hope it'll be a blessing. And I hope it helps you now as you read it for yourself, just to be able to say, hey, well, we, we've seen that, we've studied that, and uh, hopefully it'll make sense. Just by a little bit of review, in Revelation chapter 1, that's where we see John on the island of Patmos and he gets a vision of Jesus and the, the revelation here is not a revelation of just end times. The revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And please don't go through revelation and don't get focused on the antichrist and on the beast and on the dragon and on the false prophet and don't get all focused on all the plagues and all the, the judgments. As you go through revelation, Keep your eyes on Jesus because he is the main character of this book. It is the revealing of Jesus Christ in all of his glory. We see in chapters 2 and 3 the letters sent to the churches. Boy, those churches, those were real, actual, literal churches. Boy, I tell you, those messages are relevant today. And we went through all of those letters, Revelation 2 and 3. Then you get to Revelation chapter 4 and you find the rapture. 
Uh, can I tell you, that's the next event that we're waiting for right now. The rapture of the church. The Bible tells us that the trump is going to sound. The Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's the rapture. After the rapture, there will be the judgment seat of Christ. Revelation 4, uh, the, the four and twenty elders fall down before the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne. Where'd those crowns come from? They came from the judgment seat. When the Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And that's a judgment that every born again child of God will stand before. It's not a judgment of punishment. It's a judgment of reward. It is a place where we will receive uh, rewards and crowns for our service for the Lord. Uh, we don't labor for a crown. We labor for Christ. But can I tell you, those crowns will be something that we can give back to Jesus. And so, Revelation 4, we find the rapture, the judgment seat. But then Revelation 5 to Revelation 19, we find the tribulation. The tribulation is a, a time period of seven years on planet Earth. During that tribulation, there are the, uh, the seven uh, uh, seal judgments, there are the seven trumpet judgments, the seven uh, vile or seven bold judgments, and we find that uh, the wrath of God is poured out upon this world. During that time of tribulation, the Antichrist, he will be a real uh, person uh, who will be empowered by Satan, and the Antichrist uh, will unite the nations of the world together. He will turn on Israel. And then the final battle of Armageddon that we looked at last Wednesday is when the armies of the world, they fight against Christ, and the Bible tells us that all Jesus has to do is open his mouth. And with the word of his mouth, there comes out a sharp two-edged sword. And with that sword, he defeats all the armies that are gathered together against him. And that is the end of Armageddon. But here we find in Revelation 20, we find the start of the millennial reign of Christ. Now, in Revelation 19, I want to draw your attention back to verse number 20. After the battle of Armageddon, the beast and the false prophet. So the Antichrist and the false prophet, the Bible says that they are cast into the lake of fire. Now we're going to see the lake of fire at the end of Revelation 20 because that lake of fire is going to be the final destination for Satan. That's going to be the final destination for the beast and the false prophet. But can I tell you that is also going to be the final destination for every person that rejects Jesus Christ as their Savior. Say, Pastor, I don't believe that a loving God would ever send somebody to hell. I don't believe a loving God would, would ever send somebody to a lake of fire. Well, first of all, what you believe and what I believe really is not that important. What matters is what does the Bible say. But I also want to remind you that a loving God doesn't send people to a lake of fire. People send themselves to a lake of fire when they reject Jesus Christ. God loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. So God is not up in heaven looking who he can punish and looking who he can condemn. God is up in heaven and he is with arms wide open, with, with hands stretched outward. He is saying whosoever will may come. 
The, the, the punishment for sin was paid on the cross and all we have to do is be willing to receive that gift of eternal life. But the lake of fire is a real place. We see that in Revelation 19 that the beast and false prophet were cast in to the lake of fire. But then we get to chapter 20 and the Bible says that God does something different with Satan. He does not throw Satan into the lake of fire yet. After the battle of Armageddon, the Bible says that there is an angel that God sends and that angel has a key. And that key goes to the bottomless pit. I won't take the time tonight, but I'd encourage you to go back and look at Revelation chapter 9. It was that bottomless pit where during the tribulation, the angel opened that bottomless pit and out of that bottomless pit comes a demonic army that is unleashed on planet earth during the tribulation you see from that bottomless pit the demons of hell come and the demons of hell are given uh, the the license to wreak havoc on planet earth that bottomless pit is a terrible place but i'm glad i know who's got the key and I'm glad that God has the authority and God has the ability to open and to close that bottomless pit. And in chapter 20, the angel that God sends, he, he lays hold on Satan. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I try to, I try to visualize it. I try to picture it, you know. And I'm, I know some of us have a more vivid imagination than others. But, but can you picture an angel? And by the way, this isn't God himself. God himself has more power. He has all power. God himself is not in the least intimidated by Satan. God doesn't even have to come himself. He says, I'm just going to send an angel. The Bible doesn't say that this is Gabriel. It doesn't say this is Michael. It just says that an angel comes and he, he grabs hold of Satan. And he casts him. I, I imagine just picking him up. I'm not condoning this, but if you've ever seen, you know, WWF, you know, you pick them up and you throw them out, you know. And that angel takes Satan and casts him into the bottomless pit and shut him up. I love that. And set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. By the way, that's exactly what Satan's doing right now. He's deceiving the nations. You say, but I thought he was bound. Oh, no, no, he's not bound right now. As a matter of fact, he's the prince of the power of the air. As a matter of fact, right now, Satan knows that he's got a short time. And I think Satan knows that Jesus is coming soon. And Satan is doing everything he can to attack, oh, not just government leaders, uh, not just CEOs, not just business people, but first and foremost, Satan is on the attack of God's people. If you're a child of God, you've got a target on your back. And if you're a child of God, you better know that you're in a spiritual battle. Whether you like it or not, that's just the reality. Satan is out as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is on the loose now, but I'm glad after that battle of Armageddon, he's going to be locked up in a bottomless pit where he will be kept, where he will be bound, where he will be imprisoned. The Bible says for 1,000 years. Say, what's going to happen during those 1,000 years? Well, let's look at verse number four. It says, and I saw thrones 
and they sat upon them. And judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. You know what's going to happen during those thousand years? The Bible tells us that we, as God's people, we will come back with him in Revelation 19, and we will come back for the purpose of ruling and reigning with him. Say, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to have that much power. I can't wait to have that much authority. Well, the key in that passage is we will rule and reign with him. Our authority is not in ourselves, but our authority is in Jesus Christ. We will live with Christ. We will reign with Christ. We will be priests of God during that millennial reign for a thousand years. The Bible says in verse number five, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. There it is again. With him we will reign for a thousand years. So let's talk for a minute, verses 5 and 6. Let's talk about the difference between the first resurrection and the second resurrection. The first resurrection is what I quoted earlier about the rapture. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, be caught up together with them in the clouds uh, uh, to be with the Lord, and so shall we ever be with him. That's the first resurrection. But the Bible says there's going to be another resurrection. Say, oh, that sounds good. Well, that's not good. Because the Bible says that the first resurrection will be the resurrection of the saved. But the se second resurrection is going to be the resurrection of the unsaved. Uh, jump ahead. We're, we're, not going to get, we're not going there yet, but I want you to notice in verse number 11. It says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was not, found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. This is the second resurrection. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Oh, hang on. So not only is there a first resurrection and a second resurrection, but the Bible tells us there is a first death and there is a second death. You say, what's the first death? The first death is a physical death. The first death is, is a death when this body dies. A first death is not bad for a child of God. As a matter of fact, the first death is the very thing that ushers you into the presence of God. Because to be absent from the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. So the first death doesn't, doesn't scare us, doesn't bother us as Christians. 
However, for the unsaved, the first death is a very scary thought. Because after the first death, there comes a second death. And that's a spiritual death. We, we quote this verse so often, the wages of sin is death. Well, of course we know we're all going to die physically someday. But if you die in your sins, the Bible says you don't just die physically, but you die spiritually. That's a separation from God. And so you say, what's the answer? There's a, a first resurrection and a second resurrection, a resurrection. There's a first death and there's a second death. I don't know who was the original author of this quote. My dad used to say this all the time. He'd say, if you're born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll only have to die once. What does that mean? It means if your only birth is a physical birth, you will experience two deaths. You'll experience a physical death and you will experience a spiritual death. Oh, but if you're born twice, you're born physically and then you get born spiritually. Well, what, did, what did Jesus say to Nicodemus? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so if you're, if you're only born once, you better watch out because there will be two deaths. But if you're born twice, there will only be one death that you'll ever experience. There will be only one death that you will ever know. And can I tell you, after that, it'll be eternal, everlasting life for the child of God. So there are two resurrections. The first resurrection is the resurrection of the saved. The second resurrection is the resurrection of the unsaved. I want you to notice with me, if you would, in verse number 7. The Bible says, And when the thousand years are expired, so the, the thousand years, the millennial reign of Christ, we'll talk more about that next week, but the millennial reign is when Jesus is king and he rules over the earth, this earth, this earth that we're on right now. I don't know how the assignments will be given out, but I think it'd be kind of awesome to get to be in Roanoke Rapids during the millennial reign of Christ. Can you imagine what that would be like? But, but we're not talking about a, a Roanoke Rapids where there's sin and there's, uh, there, there's, 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 there's bars and there's crime and there's wickedness and all that. Now, we'll get to this next week. It's not going to be a, a perfect, absolutely perfect place because there will be people that will still have to decide to, to trust Christ during the millennial reign. I'll get to that, get, get to that in a minute. Not a minute, I'll get to that next week. But can you imagine what it would be like to be in a place where there's not corrupt leaders? There's not people breaking in and stealing stuff. There's not the diseases and there's not the, uh, the natural disasters and all those things. Can you imagine living on planet Earth where Jesus Christ is the king and he is ruling and reigning for a thousand years? That's going to be a wonderful time. But the Bible says that at the end of that time, it says that Satan is going to be loosed out of his prison. Let me give you quickly a few thoughts. We see in the first three verses, we see the devil. <laughs> and we saw what happened to the devil. He is cast into the bottomless pit. Secondly, we see the group of people that are delivered. Those that are, are saved. Those that, that will live and reign with Christ for a thousand years. But number three, we see the deception. 
As soon as Satan is loosed, verse 7, verse 8 says he shall go out to deceive. You say, why would Satan do that? Because that's who he is. He's a deceiver. He is a liar. And you and I, we're not, we're not up against a Satan who is already bound. We're up against a Satan who's on the prowl. We're up against a Satan who's on the attack. And he's out to deceive you and me. Did you know he's already plotting how he's going to deceive you this week? It started in the Garden of Eden. Hath God said that in the day that you eat the fruit that uh, you'll surely die? Oh, no, no, that's not real. He, just, he's, he knows that you'll be just like him, and that's why he said that. Satan is a liar, and Satan is out to deceive, and you and I are no match for Satan's tactics. You're no match for Satan's lies. You're not going to get in a, a debate with Satan and win the debate. There's only one way that you can combat the lies of Satan, and the deception of Satan. And that is with the truth of the word of God. You don't fight lies with, with your own experience or your own uh, expertise or, or your own ability, but we fight against the lies of Satan with the sword of the spirit, the word of God. It is the word of truth and it is the only defense. It is the only weapon that will work against the lies of the devil. After the thousand years, he'll be loosed. Verse 8, he'll go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. You say, well, pastor, I thought if we were saved, I thought we were saved forever. Does this mean that during the millennial reign, at the end of that time, when Satan is loose, does that mean that we might lose our salvation? Does that mean that Satan's going to deceive us? Absolutely, 100%, no way. Because when you are saved, you're in the hand of God, and nothing can pluck you out. I'll get into it more next week. But during the millennial reign of Christ... There will be people who enter the millennial reign in their physical bodies. And during the thousand years that Jesus Christ rules and reigns on this earth, those people that enter the millennium in their physical bodies, not us, we're, we're, already, we're, all, we're already be with the Lord. We'll be coming back with him from heaven. We won't be in a, 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 temporal, uh, in a temporal or mortal or corruptible body. But there will be people that will enter the millennium in their flesh like this. And those people will marry. They'll have children. And can you imagine how many people could be born during the thousand-year reign of Christ when there's no more abortion? There's no more disease. There, there, there's no sickness. There's no pollution. There, there's, there's no crime. There's no violence. Can you imagine that? And so at the end of those thousand years, those people who are still in their physical bodies, those who have not yet made the choice like we have made. And if you haven't made that choice, I hope you make that choice tonight to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ because you have to make a choice. I like what you said, Brother Zach, about your friend. You said, hey, it's time to make a decision. You know all, it's all the pieces are coming together. It's just time to make a decision. And if you're here tonight and you do not know Christ as Savior, what are you waiting for? 
Here we're talking about uh, 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 Armageddon and we're talking about another battle after the thousand year reign of Christ and we're talking about the lake of fire. Why would you want to put off getting your eternity settled once and for all? I'll tell you why. Because Satan has lied to you. Because Satan has deceived you. Satan has said, you don't have to worry about that now. That preacher's just kind of carried away. That missionary... Zach, he's just talking about people getting saved in the Dominican Republic, but people here in the United States, we're okay. Oh, friend, don't let the devil lie to you. Today is the day to get saved. Today is the day to get it settled. Today is the day of decision. But there will be those at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, those who have never put their faith and trust in Christ, those who, who go into the millennium in their bodies and their children, grandchildren, whoever, there will be those that will be deceived. And the Bible says in verse number 9 that Satan gathers together a following because of his deception. And they went on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And Satan gathers an army together. It's like, wait a minute, do you not remember the battle of Armageddon? Do you not remember what Jesus did in Revelation 19? But Satan, one final time, will try to launch an attack against God's people there around the holy city, Jerusalem. And notice verse 9. If you think Armageddon didn't give a lot of description, and if you think Armageddon didn't take very long, look at what God does about this uprising. It says in verse 9, And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. We see not only the devil, not only the delivered, the, the saved, not only the deception in verses 7 and 8 and verse number uh, uh, eight, 7 and 8, but then in verse number 9 and 10, we see the destruction. We see that once again, God destroys all those who have gathered together to fight against him. Then we get to verse 11. I'm going to close with this. <clears throat> and I saw a great white throne. You see, for those of us who know Christ as Savior, we get to approach that throne on a daily basis. We get to come boldly before the throne. But for people that do not know Christ, they're going to stand before that throne. And that's not going to be a happy occasion. Because every person who stands before the throne in this judgment, Revelation 20, there's a judge, but there's no jury. And there's a sentencing, but there is no appeal. Because the judge, Jesus Christ, has the final say. Nobody is going to stand. I, I was reading an article this week uh, from years ago, and someone wrote in uh, a Dear Abby column years ago, and he said, when I stand before God, I've got some questions for him. And I'm going to let him know that he did some things in my life that weren't right. And when I stand before God, we're going to have a talk. Friend, I got news for you. 
there will be no discussion. Because at the great white throne judgment, the Bible says that the books are going to be open. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You say, well, what do we do? Make sure your name is in the book of life. How do you get your name in the book of life? Well, it's called the Lamb's book of life because there was a lamb that shed his blood on Calvary so that you could have your name recorded in that book. If you're here tonight, and I know this is a Wednesday night crowd, but maybe there's somebody that's here, somebody watching or listening to the service. But if you would have to be honest and say, I, I don't know that there's ever been a time that I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. How tragic it would be to stand before the great white throne judgment and to think, I heard about this. There was a preacher in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, that warned me about this, and I didn't do anything about it. You see, when people stand before the great white throne judgment, it's too late then. But I'm glad it's not too late now. And if you do not know Christ, I hope you'll come to know him tonight. And then for those that do know Christ, I hope you'll start praying for those that do not know him. I think about your testimony, Zach, I had no idea what you were going to say, but about that friend, you witnessed to him and he kind of brushed you off for years and just kind of probably joked about it more than anything. But aren't you thankful for a man who kept on praying, kept on witnessing? Aren't you glad for a man who kept his testimony? He didn't say, well, fine, I'll just go party with him and then he'll get off my back. Can I tell you what your friends and what my friends and people in our lives need? I need somebody to get burned for them. He's somebody that'll keep praying. He's somebody that'll, that'll keep witnessing. He's somebody that'll share the gospel with him before it's too late. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.